have you heard about Anchor? It's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me fill you in on a few things. Like first and foremost, it's free. And there are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Then Anchor is going to distribute the podcast for you so it can be heard on multiple platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and so many more. Even better, you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And it's so easy, even somebody like me can do it. Now download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. And I know you hear me. (laughs) It's time to get spooky with tales from the hunt. From the heart of Music City in Nashville, Tennessee. Straight out of the Flynn Hendricks Enterprise Studios, we bring you our hosts, Just Jeff and Flynn Hendricks for Tales from the Haunt. <laughs> hello, hello, and welcome to a spooky first edition episode of Tales from the Haunt. I am one of your hosts. My name is Flynn Hendricks. You may know me from other podcasts, such as the I Know You Hear Me podcast. I am also a voice actor, an independent professional wrestler, full-time husband, full-time father, guy that doesn't get enough sleep, and guy that was also strong-armed to this podcast, but man, am I glad that I was by the guy sitting right beside me. And who might you be, sir? I'm Jeff. Just Just Jeff. Just Jeff. That's it. He beat me to it. I jumped the gun. Apologies on that, folks. But anyway... Like I said, this guy kind of strong-armed me into doing this podcast, and before he did, I had never thought of doing something like this, but I have to say, and I swear I'm not saying it because he's sitting right here beside me, it was a brilliant idea. We've all gone to haunted houses. We've all seen people in these costumes, in these sets, in these dark rooms that enjoy jumping out and scaring us. But before he mentioned it, and even while we were both doing it, the question never jumped into my mind of, why? What draws people to want to get involved in haunted houses and attractions? What makes them want to be scare actors? Like, I know from my experience, which you'll hear in the next episode, I came in expecting one thing and I got a world of different things that I am so glad I was wrong on. But I mean, like this in my mind was a genius idea because like in my professional wrestling endeavors for over 15 years, I've encountered so many various and diverse people with so many different backgrounds that it's almost like nobody has the same story. And the same thing is true in the haunt world from everything I've seen. So I'm excited to just jump in, not only learn more about my co-host here, but also learn more about my friends and then other scare actors that are veterans of the business from across the country that I haven't even had the chance to meet with. Um, So Jeff, do you want to give us any insight on what kind of got the ball rolling for you to, to have this idea? Well, I mean, you hit it pretty much right on the head there. I had a lot of people approach me this past season asking me, you know, how do, how do I become a scare actor? How do I get a job here at this haunt? And, you know, I told them, of course, trying to get them in. But I was like, well, if people are asking this question here, mm-hmm. there's obviously somebody else somewhere else that doesn't know how to get into this. So that's when I came up with the idea for us to start a podcast. And well, here we are. Absolutely. And one of the cool things, too, is that people were asking this 
while the pandemic was still going on, I mean, I guess technically as we're recording, it still is. Omicron is a thing. But, you know, in 2020, I wasn't even thinking about haunted houses. And that was the year before I became a scare actor. So I didn't even know what the process was. I didn't really see any advertising for it. So I didn't even know what was going on until I got to come in and talk to yourself and several other vet, you know, scare actors that we're going to have on here at a later date. So like just that process and then seeing the morale of the veteran actors this season, like and people in general that just flock to the attractions that we worked for in Nashville, like it was just like people were excited and thrilled to be back out doing things that were normal again. There were still safety yep. protocols in place. Don't get me wrong. But people were able to get out. They were able to have fun and, you know, get scared. And I think that's what everybody was looking for. And that's what really got my attention and made me want to keep coming back for more. And honestly, it gave me that bug that like I got with wrestling. Like, I want more of it. Yeah. I want my head shoved inside a 15 pound silicone mask more. <laughs> you know, I want to have a bucket of sweat coming off me at the end of the night. But man, before I we're not getting into my story here. But also, before we go any further, guys, please also note that this podcast is strictly for the reasons that we have been discussing so far. We want to know about why each other became scare actors, why our guests became scare actors, what drew them to haunted houses, why they think people enjoy being scared. We're going to cover, you know, different attractions throughout the country as well. But our views and opinions, our guests' views and opinions are in no way, shape, or form a representation of the haunts and attractions that we all work for. However, if those haunts and attractions do want to sponsor or advertise on this podcast, that is welcome. We will have information about that in the show notes as well. But please keep in mind, these are our personal opinions. We're not here to throw dirt on anybody. We're not here to talk negatively about anybody. We're just here to share our stories, have some fun, and hopefully, like Jeff said, you know, lay the groundwork for somebody who may be thinking about getting into scare acting and, you know, kind of giving them a guide path and hopefully, you know, our stories motivate them or give them some insight they may not have thought of. That's kind of our entire intention right here. So just wanted to get that out of the way at the very beginning. Jeff, you got anything else you want to throw in? Like Flynn said, you know, we're we're trying to um, get more people interested in doing what we do, but we're not just going to hit the scare actor side of things. We're going to hit every corner of um, haunted attractions altogether. We're going to have makeup artists on. We're going to have people that make props and masks and and everything that is haunt related altogether. We're going to have them on the show, so it's going to be going to be a really good time. And shoot, we may even go out of here learning something. So. I think so. I think so. And uh, hang on, what's that? Oh, yes, we're going to learn some spooky feet. <clears throat> Excuse me. Sorry, sorry. Uh, getting into character there a little bit. Uh, but we're, man, before I hijack this show, because I am jacked up over this, um, the format for these first two episodes is going to be a little different here. Um, to start off, we're going to let you guys learn a little bit more about each of us. So for the first episode here, um, I'm going to be interviewing Jeff. We're going to be talking more about his backstory, what drew him to, you know, becoming a scare actor and what his, you know, over a decade's worth of experience has been like, some things he's seen and experienced and just how he stays motivated and has fun during all this. And we may even talk about how he got me in the costume in my wrestling gear on Halloween night in freezing cold weather where I was in spandex and knee-high boots and people had no idea what I was doing. Yes. And then on the second episode, 
We're going to flip the script and Jeff is going to interview me. That way you have a full understanding of who each and every one of us is, what we do, why we do what we do and why we love it. And, you know, just again, we're here to have some fun. We're here to have a conversation and we're here to entertain you guys and give you a spooky fix that you may be needing in those 364 days between Halloween and Halloween. So let's have some fun. Let's get spooky and let's learn a little bit about just Jeff. So my good man, Jeff, Jeffrey, Jeffro, <laughs> guy that made a woman throw up this year, guy that was able to convince me and the boss to let me wear revealing spandex in freezing cold weather. Yeah, I'm guilty of that. <laughs> <laughs> he admits it right off the bat. We're done. Uh, no, seriously. Tell us a little bit more about you and... As your co-host and as your friend, I'm guilty of not knowing what drew you to like haunted houses, haunted attractions, and even wanting to get involved with this. Take me back to the beginning on all that. Um, I guess we got to go back to uh, about 2006, 2007. Jeez, my um, senior year of high school. <laughs> so old. I was uh, 19, I do believe, 19, 18, something like that. Anyway, too old now to remember. <laughs> um, the feeling. So. I was a volunteer worker for a rescue squad over in East Tennessee where I lived at. Okay. And we decided one year that we was going to throw this huge, big fundraiser for the squad because it was all volunteer and we had to work off of what mm -hmm. money we could raise. Yeah. And we decided we was going to do a haunted house or a haunted Ooh. attraction. And our first year doing it was a really, really big success. We, I mean, we wasn't charging a lot of money to get in, but we had a lot of people. Right. Um, and I was hooked from, from that point on, Very nice. um, but we done that for, let's see, we done four years of that there. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I moved on to a, another haunt that was more on the professional scale in East Tennessee, probably four or five years after that, I kind of took okay. a little bit of hiatus between right, right. doing the rescue squad and whatnot. Yeah. There's a lot of people that's in this industry that actually gets their experience. Mm -hmm as we say, volunteering and working for pizza in, in the industry. I mean, the smaller haunts, the, yeah. the rescue squads, the fire departments, the school events, things that's, like that. That's just like professional wrestling. I don't mean to cut you off. That's literally like, you know, they say you travel for a hot dog and a handshake or, or whatever yeah. it may be. But like, there are so many similarities and we'll, we'll, I'm, I'm not jumping the gun here, trying not to, but we'll get into that in my episode. But like, man, that, that just blows my mind how similar these two fields are. Yeah, they... uh they really are. I mean, I've, I've been to your shows and I've seen them and just the the aspect of how people get involved with, with mm -hmm. both things are, are just the same. Absolutely. They're not the same, but similar. Yeah, it's, I don't want to say tomato, tomato, but to an extent it is kind of tomato, tomato. But um, I do have a couple questions in there. So you said you took a hiatus between the volunteer fire department and, uh, you know, going to a more, I guess, professionally run haunted house is that correct mm -hmm. yes uh in that time frame like don't have to get into all the specifics but with that big of a gap like were you still thinking about like you know like being involved with the haunt and how did you like how did you keep that thought in your mind to where you actually wanted to continue pursuing it like how did you go with that long and want to stay involved in it well um i i know you can probably attest to this um being out of peak season during haunted season is painful for us. 
because we love doing what we do so much. So for those four years, I was miserable. I was driving around, seeing all the haunted houses, Mm -hmm. seeing everybody going to haunts. And I'll be honest with you, when I first started working in haunted houses, I didn't go in them. I did not like them. Really? I did not go in them. I was, I, I wasn't saying that I'm terrified of them, but I just didn't understand why people would pay to go get scared. And that's, that's actually something that I really want to get in depth with. And I know we'll, we'll have an episode dedicated specifically to this topic. But man, like in saying that, you just put a question in my mind that I have to ask on the spot or else I'm not doing my job. But like in that kind of scenario, if like you're, like you said, you're not terrified to go in, but you just don't. But like, what is it about it then that makes you want to be involved with that if you're not actually like going into the attraction itself? That's a tough question to answer, honestly. <laughs> um, I guess a, a love for entertaining. I can, I, I get that. I do get that. And I still feel like as a scare actor inside jumping out, scaring the pants off of somebody mm-hmm. is still somewhat customer service. Yes. It, I mean, that's what they came for. I mean, yeah, exactly. And, you know, realistically, too, I'm going to go ahead and say pardon my language, but, you know, whether they're being a smart ass to you or they're just being a complete asshole whether they jump or they fall and they just lose their balance and like sort of domino effect with their group, you get some reaction out of them. So in some way, whether they give the reaction of scared, angry, irritated, whatever, they got their money's worth. They had that interaction. That's what matters to them. So, I mean, it's like, even if they try to act like you didn't get them, you got them. And even, and like you said, even if it's a mad reaction or a, I'm breaking down crying reaction mm-hmm. in front of you to us. We, that that's what pushes us to go more. Absolutely. I mean, like as a, as a heel or the bad guy in professional wrestling, like that is my motto. Like my rea- my job is to get that reaction, to make you angry, to make you want to cheer for that good guy. But again, too, you know, it's like some of these people like, yeah, there, there may be a limit where you have to back off of them a little bit, but you know, if you want, uh, I guess to get a little gruesome and gory here, you push the knife in and then you push it a little bit further. You twist it a little bit more. You get that, you get that reaction out of them because you're not only doing it for them, but you're also doing it for the people they're with because some of those people may be entertained by that. They may get a laugh out of it. Now that shouldn't be the only reason you're (laughs) doing it, but you know, like you're making it something that everybody's involved with because then they've got to try and calm that person down and, get them on through the rest of the haunt and get ready for the next actor to scare them. So, you know, as well as I do, we target people. Yes. Um, And most people, they go, I'm going to go for that one because they're cowering behind the big guy. No, I'm the big guy. I go for the bigger guys. Yep. Just because if if I can make the big guy jump or flinch or, you know, cuss me out and turn away from me, then I've done something good. Absolutely. And that's something too, like, how long did it take you to get into that mode of thinking and into that mindset when you're first starting out, especially going from a situation like the volunteer fire department to, you know, as you said, a more professionally run and organized haunted house. Like what were the differences as far as what you did in one compared to the other and how you adapted? Well, when I was at doing the, uh, the volunteer work, mm-hmm. um, the one thing that I love to do that I know now is a big no-no, mm-hmm. I was a chaser. 
Oh, yeah. I was the guy that oh, would boy. follow people and get behind them and just walk behind them. And I was that creepy guy. Yeah. And after a while, I realized that the scare wore off and yep. I was just becoming annoying to them. Mm-hmm. Um, it was like I was trying to join the group instead yeah. of being what I was supposed to be there Absolutely. for. Absolutely. Um, now, at the end of the it, night, you know, when they're leaving and they're kind of, you're kind of joking around with them, like you scared them. Then you kind of keep following them, and they start trying to talk to you a little bit. That may be something entertaining there, but I get yeah. I get what you're saying. Yeah. Um, and then you know, I didn't start realizing that until after I took those four or five years off. Yeah. Um, and I went into the actual more professional haunt style, mm-hmm. and then I learned things like you know, get out is a bad thing. Yeah. Because you know people pay. To get in. Yes, and absolutely. you don't want to be there yelling in their face, get out all the time. Right, right, right. So, that or, or boo, you know, yeah. stereotypical stuff. Yeah. Um, so then I learned, you know, that uh, it's it's okay to chase for a minute. Uh-huh. But what I learned was basically, you know, two-step. Yeah. As we call it. Yep. You, you take two steps towards them, they freak out, you go away. Yep. Well, while they're running around and looking for you, they turn around and you're gone. That freaks them out even it more. It does. Because they don't know where you're coming from next. It does, yeah. Because it also gives you, like you just said, they don't know where you're coming from next. When you know, like you're outside doing queue line where everybody's waiting to get into the attraction, you get them once, you disappear. You're free to come back five minutes later, two minutes later, yeah. whatever it is. Boom, got them again. Oh yeah. Well, and even even on the inside, not even yeah. queue line. Um, you know as well as I do, we have our little spots, mm-hmm. and we can pop out over here, and then five minutes later, we'll be on the other side of the hunt. Yeah. All we've done was turn around. Oh yeah, <laughs> and try not to get lost in there sometimes yeah. too. <laughs> yeah, because believe it or not, it is dark for the actors too. Yes, yes, it is, and loud sometimes. Yeah. But man, that's so interesting. So when you first started, too, like, what was the process to get on? At a haunted house. Because I know what it was like for me, and we'll cover that next time. But like, what was it like for you meeting, you know, meeting the team? Did they run you through any exercises or acting exercises? Did they get more information about you where you had to speak in front of a group? What was that like? Well, luckily, the haunt that I got involved with after my volunteer work mm-hmm. um, had gotten to a, a bigger, somewhat bigger scale. Yeah. But Luckily, the owner of it was one of my teacher's wives or husbands. Okay. When I was in school. Um, so I started talking to him and, and um, you know, we realized who each other were and it was just kind of, hey, come down. So um, I went in and, you know, started working with him. Um, and, you know, that's that's kind of how that went. Right before COVID, um, we was fixing to hit the uh, 2020 season, I guess it was. Mm-hmm. I think, and um, I made the move to Nashville. Okay, man, I didn't realize it had been that recent. Yeah, um, I've, I've only been in Nashville two years. Wow, okay, see, and I thought you'd been at, at our haunt a lot longer than that, because I mean, like, the way everybody talks to you there and the way you this interact season, with everybody. This season will be three years. Man, it me. feels like it's, like, been ten for you. I thought you'd been there a lot longer than that, so that just, people can't <laughs> see it here, but, like, my mind is blown. He's looking me in the eye and telling me this. And I'm just like, I have been lied to or I've lied to myself. I don't know. But, man, I didn't realize it had been that short of a time yep. frame. That's insane. Yep. Three years this year. Um, and and I wouldn't look back at all. I mean, I love Absolutely. where we're at. So. And I mean, like, 
truth be told, you carry a lot of responsibility there too. You help the new actors, you help the line leads, like you help everybody there and you can tell what high regard they hold you in too. Again, not saying any of this just because we're sitting right here, but like, dude, like I swear, I thought you'd been there so long that like they just delegated these responsibilities <laughs> to you. But I mean, like you stepped up to the plate and like when I started and when future guest, um, I don't know if we call him Jermaine or if he wants to go by his wrestling name seven, you people will find out that I enjoy busting his balls more than <laughs> anything else in this world. And nine times out of 10, he has no comeback for it. but. Like, we both started together, and I had to drag him in to get him going. But, like, man, like, you welcomed us in with open arms, and, like, I just saw the way you treated everybody and all the newer actors, all the younger actors that maybe was their second year, first year, whatever it was, and, like, it was just sitting under the learning tree because, like, you know, like, we had stories of, like, you making somebody throw up or how you scared this group or how you did this or how you, like, you and another actor, like, one two combo like got this big group of people yeah. in there and it's just like man this dude like has synergy and he has a connection with everybody here like he's like damn like can i be like him <laughs> so like man i didn't realize that you'd only been here for like this will be your third year mm -hmm. that's insane yeah. so when you transition down here long way around to get to this question what was it like meeting, you know, like an entirely new staff and team, an entirely new set of actors? And, you know, like I'm sure some of the actors that were here when you started are still here. Some have moved on or are no longer yep. even in the scare business. Like, what's that been like for you? And what was the adaptation process like? It was it was a lot different. Um, and like I said, when I moved to Nashville, COVID was just starting. Yep. And Picked we perfect couldn't, time then. we couldn't do auditions. Yeah. Like they try to do now. Yeah. Um, like they have done in the past. Mm -hmm. So it was basically me meeting with the HR guy and the HR guy going, well, we can't really do an audition over Zoom. Um, we're not face to face. So um, do you want a job? <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, as funny as that sounds, it's it's what we was living in at the time. Right. Absolutely. Because we, we didn't know what we didn't know what we to didn't. expect. We, and in all honesty, we didn't know um, from night to night. Yeah. At the hunt, if we was going to be open that night, because uh, you know numbers, the, the health department or... come in, yeah, and say no, you can't do this, or no, you can't do that. We had all kinds of guidelines we had to follow, absolutely, and we followed those to a T all the way around. But if numbers would have skyrocketed, they could have just come in and said, "Okay, you're done." Absolutely, good night. So, and I mean, on top of that, too, you still don't know how many people would even show up for the attractions. On yeah. top of that, I'm sure. So that had to be a very you know, just I don't want to say defeating, but probably frustrating and confusing time to make that transition on top of all that. Well, and you say that and you wouldn't think this, but how they do ticketing now and mm -hmm. how they've done this past season with the time slotted ticketing. Yeah. That all stemmed from COVID. Man. We actually had some nights that were record breaking attendance nights. Wow. And I know we had a couple of those this season, too. Yeah. Yeah. And we broke records from last season, like, which is crazy. Because people was wanting to get out and yeah. everything was closed last year. Yeah. As soon as they heard haunted houses in October, it was like, let's go. We're Absolutely. Going. And they didn't care mask, no mask, whatever the whatever they had to do to get in the door. Right. They, were they, they just wanted to be there. Yes. They wanted to be out doing yep. something. Yep. So I know like this season, especially, it seemed like some nights, you know, like 
the staff was a little bit shorter just due to whatever circumstances outside of the haunt were there. Did you have that same kind of setup in your scenario like last season when 2020 was going on? Or actually, I should say two seasons ago now. I'm still trying to get caught up on time. But, <laughs> you know, like when 2020 was going on, did you have it where sometimes it would be a smaller crew on some nights and you had to carry yeah. more of the weight? Like, how was all that for you? Because I know like some nights here, you could tell some people were tired and, you know, a little frustrated, a little worn down, but they still rose to the occasion knocked it out of the park and like it was an awesome you know night or weekend all the way around was it still like that in 2020 or was it just kind of like just doing whatever you could to get to the next night because you didn't know what was coming next yeah it's i mean pretty much like what you said it was it was doing whatever it took to get to the next night right the uh the hardest part of everything is is coming from your day job mhm and some of us get off at 4:30 and after yep. call is at 5 Yep. So we literally leave our day job, go straight to the hunt, change, get in the costume, and then we're in the house. Yeah. And once it's it's weird because we can we sit down in the makeup chair, we get we're exhausted, we're tired from our yep. day job. As soon as you walk in the house, it's like somebody flipped a light switch and your energy just peaked. Yep. And there you go again. And that's where you're seeing that motivation out of people. But mm-hmm. um, it seemed like that was stronger during COVID with all the absolutely the absences in the house and, and things like that that made it a little bit better. Right, right. And I mean, that's one thing too. It's it's a bonding experience if you find the silver lining like that. It because it makes you a more tight-knit family and a more tight-knit team that, you know, you become more aware of each other's strengths and weaknesses. Mm-hmm. You can tell if somebody's kind of dragging that day or needs a, a shoulder to lean on or a pep talk or whatever it may be. So I, I get that. But again, too, like, like you said, going from your job straight to that, you know, like there's some days where you could end up, you know, like going to work at six in the morning, not getting home from the haunt until one, one thirty, depending on like uh, how busy a Friday night was. What was the toll like uh, as far as your home life with your wife and kids? Because you've got two young kids about my kids age. And I know sometimes that I get a brief hour, hour and a half in between just because my other job is so close to home and then I'm so close to the haunt itself. I'd get a brief little bit of time with them, but like it was still exhausting. And it's like, I wish I could get a little bit more time before I had to go in. But what was that like for, you know, for you and your family at home? It's, it's tough. Um, you know, September, October, November, and even in the off season, it's mm-hmm. tough because, you know, we've got, you know, Valentine's day coming up yep. and we've got a two day event coming up. Yep. Um, luckily it's not Valentine's day. Um, so I'm not going to get shot. Yeah. But, (laughs) um, it's, it's still tough because, you know, we do sacrifice that time. Absolutely. But luckily I'm with somebody that understands that that's, that's just part of me and I enjoy doing it and she supports me 100%. And there's even some nights where she finds a babysitter and she comes out and works at the haunt. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Which which makes it really awesome because we get to go together, we get to go home together, yep. and we get to talk about, you know, what kind of night she had doing what I do, and she gets a little bit of taste of that. Absolutely. And I, mean, I just remember, it sticks out to me that you made it a point to, like, you brought her over to myself and Jermaine, mm-hmm. and you made it a point to introduce us. And, like, just, in my mind, when you get to meet somebody, like, somebody's wife, somebody's family, somebody's kids, like... That to me, that just speaks volumes of how they view you as a person. 
So that just that meant the world to me because again, it just it strengthened that family bond that yeah. we as actors have. And I mean, like, granted, some of us don't talk, you know, unless we're in the in the actors' lounge together. Yeah. But you know, like, we don't communicate outside of work like you and I do, or like a uh, myself and Jermaine or some other future guests we have on do. But you know, again, we're all still a family. We would go to bat for each other. But you know, like when you take it that step further and you introduce them to more of your family, like that, I mean, that just speaks volumes to the kind of person you are and the standard that you helped me to. So thank yeah. you for that. You're welcome. I know I took the long way around and, to thank you, but you know. Oh, and I'll, I'll say this is, and you've seen it, working at a haunted attraction that is as big as ours, mm -hmm. and even maybe some of the smaller ones there, it's, it's a huge, diverse family. Yes, sir. Like you've got everybody from every walk of life. Yes that works there and I've always been that guy that knew no stranger. That's it. Um, I didn't shun anybody away for their beliefs and how right. they feel. And Absolutely. I make friends with everybody. Yeah. So, you know, that's just me. I, I don't believe in clicky people. People do that anyway. Yep. I can't stop that, but I'm not that guy. Yeah. I, I see people gathering in groups and I'll go over here to this group for a minute. And yep. then I'll go back over here to this group, and then I'll come back over to where you know, we were. And, yeah. And I just get out and talk to people. And that's one reason why I kind of taken on so many roles over this past year was Absolutely. because I hear what some of the leads needed. And I would hear them say, man, if I just had help doing this, and I would just jump in and do it. They yeah. They wouldn't even ask me. Yep. So that's just kind of where I got it. And it's something they say at work. Um, people always want a can-do, will-do attitude. But there's that one step before where it's a can do, will do, want to attitude. And I think that's something that you definitely like set an example for. Yeah. And I have and, and I'm I'm going to get there, uh, admit this on, on the air. And hopefully my boss doesn't listen to this, but I have about 50 percent of that in my actual day job because I love haunting so. Much. Yes. Um, and, and don't get me wrong. You know, I'm not a slacker at work or anything. Right. But right. Still. I, I I'm just that much more passionate. Yes, and about being hard. And I I get that too because it that's something that I've struggled with. And if I I feel like if we don't address this now, like it can it's probably going to come up again in my episode, and it's going to come up in several other episodes in this series. So it may not come up the same way, but I'm the exact same way. Where like in college, if I wasn't wrestling, I was thinking about wrestling. Mm -hmm. Things I was learning in, you know, like Shakespearean literature classes were things I could translate to a wrestling promo or a wrestling monologue or different things about anatomy and physiology is a different way I could communicate, like putting a guy in an arm bar and breaking down what part of his arm I was torturing in that hold. You want to feel fulfilled when you're doing something like that and you want to have those artistic endeavors to express yourself. And this is something I found out, especially through the pandemic, if you don't have those and you're not capitalizing on those, you don't feel fulfilled. Yep. Like you said, when you weren't doing it in that four to five year period, you felt miserable. Like you just you weren't yourself. And if you're not expressing that or you don't have an outlet like being a scare actor, you're you're basically cheating yourself. And you're like, I don't want to say that you're hurting yourself, but you are stifling your own creativity and limiting your own sense of fulfillment. And then you're also cheating the Jeff that or the Flynn that, you know, your family and friends may get because when you feel fulfilled and you're out there, you know, like just crushing it three, four or in the case of a hell week, six nights a week, 
and you're, you know, like you're having those awesome and, you know, engagements, you're having those record breaking gate numbers and you're getting to perform for those people. You leave that with an adrenaline rush and a high that is better than any drug. I've never done drugs. So I'm just, I can't say that I'm speaking from experience, but I know that adrenaline rush is like a dragon that you chase. And if you're not doing something to chase that dragon or meet that fulfillment, you feel miserable. And there's really like, you can't, you can't pinpoint a good reason why other than I just don't feel like I'm expressing myself and I don't feel fulfilled. And I heard something on one of your other podcasts. I know you hear me. Cheap plug. (laughs) That uh, somebody had uh, done your, your, quick draw or your quick fire questions at the end. Yes. One of their questions was, what is life? Yes. And your response was, yes, you have to work. And I'm paraphrasing, of course. Yep. But it was, yes, you have to work, but you need to find something that you're passionate about and go after it. Absolutely. And that that put a T to me and being a hunter altogether. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's just what it is about to me. It's, it's I'm passionate about that. I've got my job. It pays my bills. It provides for my family. I love what I do. I love who I work with. Yep. But my haunt family is my haunt family. Absolutely. And you don't get between me and my haunt family. <laughs> That's it. And I mean, like, again, too, there's nothing wrong with, you know, going to a job to collect a check, because if you're going to get paid, do that job to the best of your ability and the expectations they have. But there's no reason you can't be longing for that other job. As long as it's not interfering with what you're doing to pay the bills, Absolutely. you know. Absolutely. But I mean, I, I get that. So, man, getting back to this, uh, because this is something that we'll cover in my episode too. It seems like, you know, some nights we would be doing one character and then the next night we showed up, they would need us in a different spot. Yep. How did you adapt to having so many, you know, whether it was being a different character or being in a different haunt altogether? Because ours had seven on site at mm-hmm. one point. How did you adapt to being in those different situations and scenarios? Well, to give you an example for the listeners out there, there was, you know, most, the majority of last season, I was a door host in character, you know, and I had many hats that I had to do there. I had to keep people entertained while they were waiting to go in. I Mm -hmm. had to count people and make sure the groups wasn't too big. Plus I had to time them and make sure that I wasn't letting them in too early so that they were right heel on heel together. And then one night, the guy that puts us in our places for the night looks at me and goes, hey, we're short tonight. I've got to put you inside. And I was like, great, let's go. Yep. So I was inside that night. And I think that was Jermaine's first night inside, too. I believe so. I believe it was. Um, I think I got put inside, too. You did. You was in the bottom half. I think so. It's either, it was either that or I was in the clown attraction. Because I remember I was already in my queue line get up. But I think that was the night they put me in with AC because you guys, we were on one hall in the clown attraction. Y'all were right next to us. Yeah. So I think, right. you know, if I had to go out and go to the bathroom, I'd pass the hallway where <laughs> Jermaine was and I'd see yep. you. So, yep. And uh, that was Jermaine's first night acting inside. That was your mm-hmm. first night ever acting inside. Yep. You'd been slung outside from day one. But going from outside to inside, and not doing it the whole season because we was like three or four weeks in when they ha- when this happened. Yeah, it was relatively fresh. It was. It took me, you know, 30, 45 minutes to an hour to kind of get back in the groove of things. Yeah. Because, you know, believe it or not, there's a groove of how things have to go mm-hmm. inside or else you're not really doing your job. Absolutely. So uh, that that's 
pretty much how it was. I mean, it wasn't difficult because I've been doing it for so long. Right, right. But it wasn't like I just went from outside to inside instantly picked yeah. it back up. Absolutely. No, I get that. So, man, uh, as we're winding down here, like, I'm trying to think, is there anything that we haven't covered about your experience? I know we crammed a lot into a short period of time here, but is there anything that we may have missed or may not have covered that you want to talk about before we wrap up this episode? No. Um, I mean, we've, we've pretty much covered my, I mean, without telling all the, you know, few far and in between details, we've covered all my hunt career. Absolutely. You know, the, the one thing that I can say is the, the one professional hunt that I worked for over in East Tennessee, that guy got his hunt career started by one single drop panel on his mom's front porch. Wow. And that kind of made me, that, that kind of inspired me to push for more when I worked there because now he's got one of the biggest haunts in East Tennessee. I mean, that's uh, that's what you call humble beginnings. Yeah, it is. So, I mean, that's just, that's just proof, too, that drive and dedication and determination will pay off. But, man, before we wrap this episode up, I did hint at it in the beginning, and it's something that I do want to talk about, if you're cool with it. But I believe it was around that same night that we were just referencing where we were all in the house. <laughs> I remember getting back to the actor's lounge and hearing, oh, dude, Jeff made a woman throw up. Jeff made a woman puke. Tell me about <laughs> that, because I still never got the full details. So let's uh, let's if we're not giving too far of a peek behind the curtain, tell me about that scenario. And let's let our <laughs> listeners hear it, too. Well. In in the scene that I was in that night, without giving way too many details out, there was an animatronic prop mm-hmm. that was right across the hall from me. I always tried to take the attention off of that prop because that prop done a certain thing. Oh, yeah. scared I, the bejesus out of everyone. And it would get me walking out <laughs> if I was working in that house that night, too. So I would always kind of be the front. You know, they would they would come around the corner and see me there doing my thing. Yeah. And then that prop would get him instead of me. Which is one thing you've got to learn how to adapt to is the yep. props in the areas and whatnot that they put Absolutely. you in. Absolutely. So this this lady comes around the corner. For some reason, her group put her in the front and was laughing at her oh, all the way through. Oh, boy. And she sees me and she stops dead in her tracks and says, no. And they pushed her in the room where I was at. And she set off the sensor for the animatronic. <laughs> and it touched her. The animatronic literally come out, touched her in the leg, and that was it. I don't know if she had been drinking or what, but um, when when that touched her, she screamed. She screamed really, really loudly right in my ear, and then puked right on the floor in front of me. Oh my! And they just and it was nothing. Like she just okay, it's done. Stood up, walked off, and was gone. And I was like, "What do we do now?" (laughs) So here I go running through the house trying to find somebody to you know get somebody to come clean it or. Me get something to clean it up. And yeah, oh, so, you're braver than me. Yeah, luckily we had a uh, awesome, awesome house lead. Yes, that was uh, willing to come clean it up while I could continue scaring people. And spoiler alert: future mm. guest as well. We'll, we'll look yes. at that. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. man, I, yeah. See, that's the thing. If that was me in that situation, there probably would have been two piles of puke because I am not <laughs> a puke person. But man, that is amazing because that was just like. Uh, that was almost like the cherry on top of my first year as a scare actor hearing that story. So that was beautiful. I, re- I remember you walking. We was walking back in and you 
you yelled at me and said, I heard you make somebody puke tonight. And I was like, yeah. And you said, I guess I got to step up my damn game. I, <laughs> <laughs> Needless to say, I did not get to that point. But we'll cover some of my escapades in our next episode. But man, like, Jeff, thank you for telling your story and giving our listeners some entertainment, you know, just along the way, too. And also giving me some new information, because apparently I had a bunch of fake news made up in my mind for how long you'd actually been in Nashville. So I knew you were from East Tennessee, but I didn't realize you were that recent of a transplant. So I yeah, learned I've, something new here, too. I've, I've still got some of the East Tennessee twang, but I'm starting to pick up the Nashville lingo, too. So. Eh, it's somewhere in the middle of both. You know, we're, we're cool with that. Everybody's a transplant here now. I'm a minority as a, as a homegrown, but we're, we're, we're cool with that. But man, before we uh, before we take this first episode home and, uh, you know, uh, put it to bed, is there anything else that you want to leave our audience with? No, not really. I mean, I, I want everybody to uh, enjoy what we're doing here and tune in next time for when I get to flip the script on, on Flynn over here because it's going to be good. Oh, yeah. And if you don't tune in, uh, he's going to come find you and make you puke. So yeah. you've been warned. I'm, I'm known for that. But man, guys, again, thank you for listening to our first episode here. Jeff, thank you for letting me take the long way around on some of these questions and uh, getting to know you a little bit better myself. So this has been a blast for me. I'm glad to have this uh, this second podcast here under the Flynn Hendricks Enterprises umbrella. Somehow this has become a thing that has grown major legs in less than a year's time. And I'm just excited to see where it's going to go. And Hopefully I find a little bit more sleep somewhere in there, you know, but this is, this is fun guys. And I'm looking forward to the next time you, uh, you join us here. Cause you're going to be hearing a little bit more about my backstory. And like I said, we've got some awesome guests lined up already. Literally as soon as we put the, uh, the link out to book with us, it started coming in left and right, left and right. Jeff and I were texting back and forth. Like we just got this person. We just got this person. We just got this person. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's like, and I'm I'm sitting here looking at the planner right now and like we are booked up for a good solid while. So I am just excited to see where things go. And spoiler alert too, I'm also going to have a third podcast coming out. It's going to be a wrestling themed podcast called Wrestling with Hypotheticals. If you have listened to my uh, main podcast, the I Know You Hear Me podcast, the one that kind of opened the doors for everything. My friend Chris Rucker that's been on there a couple times, uh, he's interviewed me. He's been a guest that has helped interview people as well. Uh, we are starting that podcast and we're going to be discussing things that, you know, like what if this happened? How would the landscape of wrestling have changed then? What if so-and-so finally got their chance at the World Heavyweight title? Just different things that would have had a major impact on the wrestling scenario and the wrestling landscape as a whole. So. Look for that to come out as well. And again, too, guys, just keep supporting. If you have any haunted attractions that you want us to cover or you want us to kind of, you know, like just throw our two cents on whether we like it or not, even review a scary movie. I mean, I'm willing to do that if you oh, are, yeah. Yeah, you know, just good. give our thoughts on it, whatever it may be. Guys, we are open to interpretation. And right now, if you want to give us any insight, any information, any feedback, or if you even have a guest that we should book, Check the show notes because it's going to have my email in there and we will do what we can to make it happen. But ultimately, we just want to make this show entertaining for everybody and we want to make sure that you get your spooky fix in there as well. So everybody, for myself, for just Jeffrey over here, I know you hear me when I say thank you for tuning in to our pilot episode. We have got a lot more awesome and spooky things coming your way. 
And I can't wait for you guys to hear our next episode when I open up and bare my spooky soul a little bit. So next episode, I'm at Jeff's mercy. I hope you guys enjoy it. And we can't wait to talk to you guys again. So in the meantime, make sure you stay spooky. Oh, we do thank you for listening this week, and we hope you'll tune in next time for another spectacular episode. <laughs> Tales from the Haunt has been a Flynn Hendricks production. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>